0: What's up, everybody? GenX Dividend Investor here. In this video, I tell you why I don't use the magic formula, which is a stock picking process developed by one of the most successful investors of all time, aka Joel Greenblatt, who apparently achieved over 30% annualized returns with it. So please do me a favor right now and hit that thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. And to kick this off, I thought I'd share a great quote that a Patreon of mine named Sublime shared on my Dividend Discord today, and it says that when you invest, you are buying a day that you don't have to work. I love that concept as it really resonates with me since I was able to retire early in my 40s once my annual dividend income grew larger than my expenses. I've been investing for around three decades now, and each deposit I made was to enable a brighter future. From the time I was 21, I had a goal of retiring before I hit 50, and I'm so grateful that I achieved that goal due to my dividend portfolio. The beauty of finance is that it's never too late to go on a better path. Create a plan to pay off any high-interest debt, then slowly build up an emergency fund, and then invest. Maybe you've had a rough start and you got divorced, losing a lot of assets and earnings for a while, and or maybe you had to declare bankruptcy for whatever reasons. All those things suck, but the good news is that you can start rebuilding, paying things off, investing, and bottom line, being more financially healthy. And maybe you end up needing to work until 65 instead of 55 like you hoped. Okay, not ideal, but as long as you learn from the past and you're striving to do better, then that's great, and imagine how much better off you'll be in 10 years than if you hadn't started really managing things better. You can still get unlucky, but at least now you're stacking the deck to do better, and better is what you can control and what you should focus on. Okay, so now let's listen to about a minute of an interview of Joel Greenblatt done by Steve Forbes a few years ago, where Steve asks about his magic formula.
1: Sure, it's really uh, basic uh, value investing, uh, you know, based on both Benjamin Graham and, and, and uh, Warren Buffett. And, and there were two main principles, one from Graham, one from Buffett. Uh, Graham's was uh, figure out what something's worth and pay a lot less for it, you know, so if you can buy it cheap, uh, that's a good thing. And so we measure cheap by getting a lot of earnings for the price we pay. Uh, So it's really the inverse of the P-E ratio, uh, earnings to price. We don't use simple earnings, and we don't use simple price, but that's the same concept. The other concept, uh, sort of what Warren Buffett brought to the table, I think from his teacher Ben Graham was, well, cheap is great, but if I can buy something that's also good uh, in addition to cheap, so if I can buy a good company at a cheap price, that's even better than just looking at cheap alone. And so we use a concept uh, which is return on uh, tangible capital. Really also learned from Buffett, which uh, basically says a business to operate needs working capital and it needs um, fixed assets. Uh, and the question is how well does a company turn that working capital and fixed assets into earnings? So we compare earnings to net working capital plus fixed assets to see what ta- kind of return on tangible capital capital a company can earn. So the higher the better.
0: Nice. Now the reason I'm doing this video is because of a comment on my dividend discord from a user named Marvin PNG that was talking about how he's using the magic formula investing strategy to buy and sell stocks. Here's a screenshot from that discussion where another user named NebNeb said that he'd never heard of the magic formula and then someone else shared the magic formula process which I'll dive more into shortly. When I started my research into this video I first did a search on my discord for the words magic formula and found that people had been talking about it for over three years and saw that literally this morning a bunch of dutch people were talking about it in my netherlands investing channel which is a private country channel i created that has 64 people in it here's a screenshot where someone named stefanu and another named jarko85 were talking about the magic formula and how it helped explain why charlie munger raves about costco and warren buffett about apple even though those stocks don't look compelling when a discounted cash flow was done on them at least that's what i think they were saying as i had to use google translate and for reference, I have over 70 private investing country channels on my Dividend Discord, in addition to the main public channels, so if you ever join my server and want to access any of them, then just message me and I'll add you. Okay, so who is Joel Greenblatt and why should we care about his formula? Well, he's a very well-known investor, a professor, and a hedge fund manager that is worth an estimated $500 million to a $1 billion. He graduated from Wharton and then started a hedge fund called Gotham Capital in 1985, where for over 10 years he presided over annualized returns of supposedly 50% per year, and over 20 years he averaged over 40%, which is incredible given that Warren Buffett has averaged 20% annualized returns, but over a longer time frame. In 2000, Joel helped Michael Burry create his own hedge fund, and Joel's been teaching value investing classes to MBA students at Columbia for over 20 years. In 2006, he wrote about his magic formula in a book called The Little Book That Beats the Market, And in 2010, he wrote a follow-up book called The Little Book That Still Beats the Market. He apparently wrote it so that his young kids, aged 6 to 15, could read it and learn how to invest in stocks. Thus, it's an easy and consumable read, unlike some investing books. So it contains pretty easy-to-follow instructions on how to pick stocks properly to maximize your return potential. Here's a random reviewer's comment on Amazon that I thought was helpful. They said, Greenblatt's book is so clear and easy that most teenagers can understand it. Greenblatt even has a website that allows one for free to instantly find, in terms of his magic formula, the top 25 and top 50 stocks out of some 3,500 on the market. He then has a very simple 7-step system requiring no stock research, showing you how, in a few minutes every few months, you should purchase and sell stocks in order to get returns that very strongly beat the stock market as a whole. And for reference, the website the reviewer is talking about is magicformulainvesting.com, which I'll show you in a moment. Anyways, I'll include Amazon links to both his books in the description of this video, and as an Amazon associate I earn from qualifying purchases, which means if you click on my link and buy a book, then I get a small commission and it doesn't impact your price, so it's an awesome way you can level up your investing knowledge as well as directly support me. Okay, I saw some data that said the magic formula returned 22.9% annualized from 1988 to 2004 as compared to the SP500 which returned 12.4% annualized. 22.9% a year is a ton, though it is less than the 40% or 50% that Joel apparently got running his hedge fund. And to get some perspective on those returns, let's use a compound interest calculator and first put in the market's 12.4% annualized return over the 16 years in question. So if you'd invested $10,000 into the market in 1988 and had gotten a 12.4% annualized return, then after 16 years you would have ended at about $65,000, which is 6xing your money, which is great. But if you had been getting 22.9% annualized returns using the magic formula, then your 10 grand would have turned into 271 grand, which is a 27x return, and is 5x more than the market would have done. Joel's goal was to create a simple method to identify cheap and good companies with high earnings yield and return on invested capital. Wikipedia said that several studies from around the world have found that Greenblatt's magic formula tends to result in long-term outperformance relative to market averages, but is also associated with significantly higher short-term volatility and sharper drawdowns due to his concentrated approach of 20 to 30 stocks. Of course, there are lots of ways to identify what stocks should be in your portfolio. Like maybe you'll end up trying Greenblatt's magic formula, or maybe you get stock ideas from YouTubers like me, or maybe you read investing blogs, or you get stock ideas from chatting with investors on Discords, or maybe you have a financial advisor you like. Some people like to copy what well-known investors are doing, like maybe what Warren Buffett is buying, And they can do that via reading 13F filings, which are quarterly reports that big investment managers have to file, which show all the stocks and assets they own. Like, here's a 13F website that lets you look up quarterly filings, and I'll include a link to it in my description below. So if you wanted to track what Buffett is doing, then you'd search for Berkshire Hathaway, and then you'd look up at its most recent quarter that they filed in February, and you could see that they own 49 companies. If you drill into it, you'd see that some of the top positions Warren Buffett manages, like Apple is number one at $116 billion worth, which is 39% of Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio, and that's 895 million shares of Apple. I read an article that Buffett's been buying more Apple shares recently, so I'd guess that he's probably over 900 million shares these days. And for reference, Apple is the largest position in my dividend portfolio, and I have 1,738 shares of it. A helpful thing you can do on this 13F site is to compare quarter-to-quarter filings to see what changes were made. Like if we compare Berkshire's Q4 13F to their Q3 one, then we see that they bought 333,000 shares of Apple, sold 2.3 million shares of Chevron, and sold 7 million shares of Activision. So if you were copying Warren, then you'd do similar types of moves in your portfolio. I don't recommend blindly copying what Warren or anyone does, because your goals, needs, and risk tolerances are all unique to you. Instead, I'll just invest in some Berkshire stock and then let it ride. Anyways, let's dive into the magic formula process. So, first you identify companies which have at least $50 million market caps. This Investopedia article says $100 million. Remember, market cap is just the number of outstanding shares times the share price. So, one way to check market cap is to Google the ticker. Here I googled JJ, and on the bottom they give you some stats on it, and one thing you'll see is market cap, and in this case they say JJ is at a $410 billion market cap. Since we see the price is at $158, we can figure out how many shares outstanding JJ has by dividing the market cap by the price. So $410.91 billion divided by $158.14, which equals about $2.6 billion shares outstanding. Let's double check that against what Seeking Alpha says to make sure we did our math correctly. I'll log into my premium account and then I'll put in JJ and then select financials and then balance sheet. And as a quick side note, I've been paying $239 a year for multiple years for seeking off a premium membership since I feel it's the best source of stock info out there. So if you haven't signed up for one, then I recommend you use my referral link in the description of this video, because using it lets you sign up with a big discount where your first year is only $99, and then it goes up to whatever price they're charging a year from now, so of course you can always cancel. So here we see JJ's total shares outstanding over the last 10 years. These numbers are in millions, so you can see that in December of 2013, J&J had 2,828.9 million shares outstanding, which means about 2.8 billion shares outstanding. Then it went to 2.78 billion in 2014, then 2.759 billion in 2016, and then all the way until their most recent report where they had 2.6 billion shares, which matches what we just manually calculated. Seeing a downward trend like that on shares outstanding is often what you want to see, is that means that each of your shares is owning a bigger part of the business as less shares exist in the world. And that's a reason why I'm supportive of buybacks, even if I like dividends more. As buybacks happen, that pushes the company's earnings per share up, since there are less shares around, and it also means that the company has less shares to pay dividends on. Thus, that means the dividends get more sustainable as buybacks occur. Anyways, Joel's magic formula says to exclude any financial or utility stocks. Take a listen to this blurb where he talks about that
1: we look at ebit as one of our earnings earnings before interest and taxes if you look at a bank before interest it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense right. so in our analysis we we eliminated uh, certain types of companies uh really two types one were financials they're different animals and and the me- there's nothing wrong with investing in financials in general but our metrics don't cover financials they're they're kind of viewed in a different way the other are utilities because uh, utilities are regulated entities where their returns are regulated. They're not really capitalist companies. And, and so they don't follow the same rules uh, as what we're looking for. So we also eliminated those in our study. It's just not appropriate, the, the measures we were using.
0: Okay, and then the next step in the magic formula process is to exclude American depository receipt stocks, aka ADRs, aka foreign companies. The only ADR I'm currently long in is BTI, which is British American Tobacco. And since BTI is a foreign company in the US, that means it would automatically get screened out as a potential magic formula stock. Then next you calculate each company's earnings yield, which is EBIT divided by enterprise value. Joule uses enterprise value rather than market cap, because enterprise value includes market cap along with debt and any cash and cash equivalents on the company's balance sheet. Thus many consider enterprise value to be a more accurate representation of a firm's value. Part of the goal of the magic formula is to identify inexpensive companies, aka ones that earn more than the intrinsic value that you're paying, which earnings yield helps with. Then the next step is to calculate a company's return on capital, which is EBIT divided by the sum of net fixed assets plus working capital. Return on capital is a measure of how effectively a company uses its money that it invests into its business. That last part of the formula helps identify quality companies, aka ones that can reinvest profits and get great returns. And once you've done all that, then you sort all the companies you've screened by highest earning yields and highest return on capital. Or to put it into layman terms, the magic formula process identifies companies that make great returns on their investments while allowing you to buy them when they're inexpensive. If you buy enough of them and do it for long enough, then things should average out nicely, theoretically speaking. By enough, I mean once you've got a sorted list of tickers, then you're supposed to buy two or three stocks each month from the top 20 to 30 companies in your list over the course of a year. Each year, you rebalance your portfolio by selling off losers one week before the year term ends and you sell off winners one week after the year mark. Obviously, you might have tax implications depending on a variety of factors. Finally, you repeat that process each year for a minimum of 5 to 10 years or more. Let's simplify things and see if we can just use the screener on the magicformula.com website. First of all, there's a disclaimer that says the site is for your personal information only and is not intended as investment advice, more as a basis for stock trades and that the content of the website should not be relied upon for the purposes of carrying out a transaction or trade. That's another way of saying don't rely on it as being accurate nor blindly invest in stocks just because they might show up on their screener. The site has a great FAQ section. It says that the magic formula system was designed to hold stocks for approximately one year in order to maximize your after-tax return. After the one-year period, you should screen for new stocks and establish a new portfolio, based on the most current financial statements and stock prices. Sometimes a previously owned stock will remain on the list, and then you must decide if you want to continue to hold the stock. It also said that the Magic Formula system is based on buying equal dollar amounts of each stock for your portfolio. And sidebar, the Magic Formula doesn't require it to be a dividend stock, so if you want to add in your own check to only look at dividend companies, you could, though you might be stunting your returns doing that. Or maybe you might enhance your returns. Anyways, let's take a gander at that website. Okay, here we are on magicformulainvesting.com. If we click on how it works, it says screen for top-ranked stocks, buy them, hold them for one year, then sell, and go back to step one. And the default are $50 million market caps and 30 stocks. But let's say we wanted billion-dollar market caps. And we wanted 50 stocks and see what it comes back with. So we see a variety of names. Here's Altria, um, H&R Block, basically a variety of companies, HP, Nucor, Pfizer. So a variety of stocks you could pick from if you wanted to follow this process. Granted, they recommend $50 but I'd rather go with a billion dollar market cap, which of course could impact your returns. So maybe my title should have been that while I don't use the Magic Formula to pick dividend stocks, it turns out that when I raised the market cap to at least a billion, the Magic Formula ended up identifying multiple dividend stocks that I would buy, and I'm actually already long in. Okay, and then beyond the MagicFormulaInvesting.com site, I found another that has a Magic Formula stock screener tool, and that's at TalDavidson.com. Tal is a self-proclaimed tech geek who likes to develop quantitative investing tools. I'll let you play around with this site on your own. Anyways, according to Greenblatt, his magic formula investing strategy has generated annual returns of 30%. And according to Investopedia, a number of independent researchers have found that the magic formula investing approach has appeared to show good results when backtested compared to the SP500. Of course, one thing to understand is that just because the magic formula may have returned great results in the past, doesn't mean it's guaranteed to do so in the future. Also, even if it does beat out the market, that might only occur after many years, so trying it for a few months or even a few years doesn't necessarily mean you've really given it enough time. So what you've probably seen is that it's not really magic, it's just a simple process you could follow. Digging a bit more into Wikipedia we see that a 2009 study of stock markets in the Nordic countries from 1998 to 2008 found Greenblatt's formula led to outperformance of market averages. However, the authors advised the formula was best used as a screening tool and should not be applied dogmatically. A 2016 study from the stock market in Finland found the magic formula yields higher risk-adjusted returns on average. The authors also proposed that a modified form of Greenblatt's strategy, additionally emphasizing companies with better-than-average free cash flow, was best suited to bull markets. Another 2016 study found possible confirmation of Greenblatt's formula in Brazil's stock market, but cautioned, we could not assure with a high level of certainty that the strategy is an alpha generator and that our results were not due to randomness. A 2017 study from the markets in Sweden found application of the Greenblatt formula resulted in long-term outperformance of market averages in the periods of 2005 to 2015 and 2007 to 2017. The authors also found the magic formula was also associated with short-term underperformance in some periods and significantly increased volatility. An analysis of the Hong Kong stock market from 2001 to 2014 found Greenblatt's formula was associated with long-term outperformance of market averages by 6-15%, depending on the company size and other variables. In 2018, a paper presented at a professional investing conference found validation of the Greenblatt formula in the Chinese stock market. And independent scholar Robert Martin published a backtest analysis of Greenblatt's magic investing formula for the U.S. market in June of 2020. He found that from 2003 to 2015, application of Greenblatt's formula to U.S. stocks averaged an annualized return of 11.4%. This outperformed by a significant margin the S&P 500's annualized return of 8.7%. However, Martin also found Greenblatt's formula underperformed the S&P 500 slightly during the 2007 to 2011 period and actually went negative for a time, and over the entire 2003 to 2015 period was more volatile overall than the S&P 500. In conclusion, Martin found that the almost 3% outperformance was surprising, but not as great as the 30% returns Greenblatt's book claimed, though the respective analyses used different time periods. Martin also noted the strategy had significant psychological risk associated with underperformance during the aftermath of the 2007-2008 financial crisis. Finally, I read that a group of investors tracked how the magic formula did from 2004 until 2020, and during that period it underperformed the S&P 500. So it looks like the majority of studies found that it outperformed, and sometimes it didn't. But with that propensity of positive data saying it works, then why don't I use the magic formula process to build my portfolio of dividend stocks? Well, a big reason is because I prefer a buy and hold system, not one where I'm constantly buying and selling. I not only want, but I also need, a process that I can set it and forget it, something that generates cash flow whether I'm around or not, so that my wife and kids benefit regardless of my situation. My health and family realities are a big reason why I value dividend investing so much, and it's something that dividend haters simply don't take into account when they say it's better to sell stocks. Another con to the magic formula is that it seems to be focused on short-term performance, not trends of good performance over multiple years, which I think is smarter to do. And the reality is that even crappy companies can have a good year for whatever reason, and one year of good performance doesn't excite me. To me, picking stocks with one year of hot performance feels more like gambling than investing. I guess magic formula proponents would say that you're getting into and out of stocks based on how they just performed as that is more relevant than how a company has done over multiple years. To each his own, I guess. I've gotten a lot of benefits from holding companies for long periods of time, from tax reasons to the fact that the longer I own something, the better I understand it. And speaking of understanding, if you were on my dividend discord, you'd see how we share useful news about dividend companies throughout the day. And doing that really helps you learn more of what's going on in different companies. Beyond all that, Reflect on what Charlie Munger once said, which is that there isn't a single formula. You need to know a lot about business and human nature and the numbers. It is unreasonable to expect that there is a magic system that will do it for you. But there are some things I really like about the magic formula. One is that it takes the emotion and expertise out of the equation. What I mean is that it's a simple process anyone can follow, either doing it yourself or using magic formula stock screeners. I like how it should prevent you from panic selling or FOMOing. It also might reduce your stress a bit because if you do poorly, you can blame the formula rather than yourself. That's kind of silly though, since if you choose to follow it, then it's still on you. Another aspect I dislike about the magic formula process is that it sometimes will suggest companies that I have no interest in buying, and in fact I dislike, and that alone turns me off to it. Of course, you could choose not to invest in everything it recommends, but that could also lead to untested outcomes. So what are you going to do? Are you already trying the magic formula process? Are you going to try it? Or are you happy with what you're already doing? Leave me a comment down below and give me your thoughts. And to finish things off, I'd like to thank Blocker17, who just upgraded to a full year as a Patreon aristocrat, giving him a 10% discount. And unfortunately I'm still sold out on seats, so I apologize to people who've been asking about when something will open up, but if you keep checking my site on Patreon, then I'm sure you can grab one when it does. Aristocrats gain access to my dividend spreadsheet product that I use in my videos and they get to be in multiple private channels on my dividend discord chat server where I let my upper two patreons watch my videos before I release them publicly on youtube as well as let them vote on which thumbnails I use for my videos and of course they get more direct access to me. I also do a shout out as you just heard and I add them to my scrolling news sticker if I still have space on it. And if you made it this far in the video then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet and click the bell notification. Finally, I highly recommend that you join my free dividend discord chat server which has over 10,000 dividend investors on it from around the world. Thanks for watching, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.